as we um, hang out today in your word and in your presence. Lord, that you would cut us to the heart and you would open up our eyes to see you. You would open up our ears to hear you. Lord, we just thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I love that. uh, And thank you for Pastor Ben, honestly. Um, We love you, bro. Even though you work out at Planet Fitness on the Cybex machine, that helps you, gets up to 265 a little bit easier. Uh, but no, that was an incredible ministry moment, man. Um, thanks, for, thanks for leading us in that moment. Um, you know, it really kind of just hit a place in my heart. Um, oftentimes when we hear something like that, we're like, we start thinking in our seats, well, I've already given my life to Jesus. You know, I don't really need to walk up to the altar. You ever thought about it like that when somebody's like, oh, I'm glad it's not me. I've already made that decision. I don't have to walk up there. What I've actually found um, is that I committed my life to the Lord recommitted my life to the Lord back in 2000, Um, but I've actually found the need to actually commit different parts of my life to the Lord that were not surrendered to the Lord. And I really believe that Ben was ultimately walking us into a moment to where Jesus is actually Lord over everything. And this is really what we even talk about when we start talking about generosity, is that for God so loved the world that He gave His all. And God is actually inviting us to give us back to Him our very all, the essence of all of us, our body, soul, and spirit, our mind, will, and emotions, all of us. And if He does not have lordship over everything, He's not Lord over all. And we can't actually hit the target. We can't actually get across the finish line unless we actually give our lives wholeheartedly to Jesus. It says actually in Romans 8, and I'll get into my message in a moment, but it says creation longs and groans. It says for the sons and daughters of God to appear. Like creation is like yelling, hey, will, will the ones that have the answers actually come and deliver the payload? But it says that these are the people who are actually led by the Spirit of God. They're the ones that are actually hooked up to the frequency of heaven. Daniel 11.32 says that the people who actually know God, not know about Him, not know about a small group, not a church service, not how to tithe, but actually know Him and walk with Him, it says they will actually be strong. Like, you're not going to move me off this channel. They will be strong. No offense can't touch me. No, they will be strong. Oh, sickness comes against my body. No, I got an answer for that as well. And it says they will carry out great exploits. This is actually what the world is longing for. They're not looking for churchgoers, right? I actually heard a guy say this one time. There would probably be more Christians if it wasn't for Christians. I was like, bro, you're right. Do we look like them? And we can't look like them if we don't behold them. We will become like that which we behold. That's 2 Corinthians 3. That when we behold Him, we are transformed or transfigured. Isn't that, that's a wild, a wild word. We are transfigured into His image from glory to glory. That's what Ben was saying. I know a Fisher during prayer time was getting kind of caught up in that frequency as well, is that we actually have to see Him. But once we see Him, we'll be made like Him. And when we're made like Him, people will actually see us. And they'll see Him through our lives. So back in 2020, you know, 2020 was a crazy year. Um, That's when COVID hit the earth. It was a strike from the enemy, right? There's no darkness at all within Jesus, right? 1 John 1, 5, For in Him there is light, there is no darkness whatsoever in Jesus. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans to what? Prosper and not of harm to give you a future and an expected hope. 
and expect it in. So when COVID hit the earth, we knew where it came from, right? It was a strike from the enemy. And I remember in that season, the Lord just spoke this, this word to my heart. There was a lot of fear, a lot of panic, a lot of concern, a lot of worry. Some of it was justified, some of it wasn't. But this phrase popped into my heart, and it was, this is your finest hour. This comes from a Winston Churchill speech back on June the 18th of 1940. And I'm going to read a portion of it here to you in a minute. As I was preparing this message, I actually had something that I was going to kind of go one way. And then literally yesterday, I'm with the Lord, and He just said, it's your finest hour. It's your, it's your finest hour. Well, Winston Churchill actually gives this speech, and he's actually looking back on some really rough military defeats. France had basically almost succumbed to the Germans. Most of Europe had already been crushed by the German army. And he's saying, hey guys, we've actually suffered a lot of losses. The interesting thing about this speech is I started reading it again yesterday. He's kind of reflecting on the losses. And I started kind of seeing our life. There's some L's in our life, right? There's some losses somewhere. Maybe some bad decisions. Maybe some things that may have happened inside of our families. I don't know. You can fill in the blank for your own life. We all have them, right? There's, all, there's, there's something back there in the past. So he starts reflecting all this. He says, but there's people that would try to criticize and tr throw arrows and saying, you know what, you're to blame, you're to blame, you're to blame. He says, I actually kind of find that that actually is not helpful. You know, he says, so, and it would actually take a, a lot of energy. I'm just paraphrasing. It would take a lot of energy to do that. So, hey, let's just uh, shelve that. And he says, and I'll let the historians actually read. Then he starts refocusing. He says, but we actually have to basically get prepared, right? Because Britain is in the crosshairs of the Germans. And if London or if Britain itself actually falls under the German army, the entire free world will be impacted, including the United States, is actually what he said. I'm going to read a portion of his speech. Um, it says, what General Weygand, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, it says, called the Battle of France is over. I expect that the Battle of Britain is about to begin. Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Isn't that crazy? Even at that moment of time. And I want us to actually hear this from an angle of our life. Like, what is standing in the brink right now of your world? Like, do you realize that your life isn't just about you? Like, 1 Corinthians 6 says you're not even your own. But I live my life like I'm my own. Bro, you ain't your own. He actually bought you with a price. And it's for you to actually do something, not just to get a ticket to heaven and make it there, right? That's not what salvation is about. He says, you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' desire was that heaven would actually flow through you and it would be the victoria in the land. It would be the victorious nature of the kingdom in the land. Isn't it interesting that Jesus and God always came to man? He always came. Emmanuel, God with us. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was what? Released in the earth. And then last time I read my Bible, it actually says that Jesus is actually coming again. He's coming back to this planet. And He wants the very kingdom to actually permeate your existence and to be manifested through your life. So we have to have this perspective that it's not just about me. Some people will say, I'm just going to live my life. I can live my life however I want to. You were bought at a price. You're not your own. you got a mission. 
And this is what Winston Churchill was like charging the people, like, the destiny of the free world is upon you. And I believe the word that God is actually wanting to release in our hearts today is that it's the same thing for us right now. We may not have an army that's invading the United States, but there is darkness that's actually swept the land, whether it's through COVID, whether it's through domestic violence, whether it's through sex trafficking, whether it's through drug addictions, jacked up marriages, depression, fear, anxiety, like all these things are a manifest, manifestation and a proliferation of evil. And the Lord is actually saying, who will go for us is what He says in Isaiah 6. Will you be the one that says, I will go? And this is what Winston Churchill ultimately was saying in his speech. Let me jump back in the speech. It says that upon it depends our own British life and the long continuity of our institutions and our empire. The whole fury and might of the enemy must very soon be turned on us. Hitler knows that he will have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, all of Europe may be free and the life of the world may move forward into broad, sunlit uplands. I wish I could speak like this guy. But if we fail, then the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a new dark age made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted science. Let us therefore brace ourselves to our duties and so bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its commonwealth last for a thousand years, men will still say this was their finest hour. Do you feel that word for your own life? When they look back on your life, that generations will look and say, Micah, I saw, bro, I saw some of the defeats. I saw some of the lanes that you took. But there was this time on October, October the 23rd, 2022, where you stood a symbol in front of your commanding general, your commanding officer, and the way that you lived out your life, you finished your race, and we could say this was your finest hour. I believe that the Lord is actually assembling a troop. He's assembling a people in the earth that the world has never seen before. We all know that we were actually born into a war. Revelation, Revelation 12 actually is very vivid about that. If we, if we need any type of clarity on that, we can't be neutral inside of a war. That's what a lot of people did back, even the United States back in World War II, they tried to remain neutral for a season as evil proliferated across the earth. In Revelation 12, 17, and it says, this is just a picture. I think some of these verses are going to be up here on the, on the screen. Um, look what time it is, too. This is just a, a biblical picture of the war. It says, and the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus, who keep the commandments of their commanding officer and carry the testimony 
of the Lord Jesus. This is just a picture of the, of the battle, of the war that we're in. Um, another good verse that I like to, to read, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, is, is in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore we also, that's actually a really cool phrase because it's actually looking back on Hebrews 11, and it's all these other men that I would say, they lived their finest hour. Like, and if we go back in the Old Testament and read a lot of, about these guys, they weren't always making the best decisions, right? You know, they, they had some hardships, they had some challenges, um, but it's amazing how they lived out their life. I would encourage you to even go read Hebrew 11. It's amazing that even in one of those verses, I think it's in verse 38, it says, and the world was not worthy of them because they would give their entire lives to the cause. So some of them were sawn in two. Some of them were tortured. Some of them probably even rejected deliverance so that they could actually lay their life down like Jesus himself. And so what Hebrews is saying in chapter 12, it says, Therefore also we too, just like them. It says, Since we are surrounded by such a great, great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off the weight that so easily, some versions say, beset us and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run the race or fight the battle that has been marked out or set out for us. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 2 Timothy 4, 7, it just says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. That's just Paul looking back on his journey. This is him saying, you know what? I lived my finest hour. I knew what the stakes were. I knew the battle lines and where they were but I also knew my purpose, my destiny, and why I was put on the earth. And I knew the work. Even Jesus himself says, I have finished the work that God called me to do. And now it's time for me to come home. Paul did the same thing. I have finished the work. And I believe that everybody in here wants to know, first of all, what the work is for your life. Like what is the specific tailored work, tailored race, tailored battle for your life? But we all want to be able to one day, whether it's 33 years like Jesus or whether it's way down the road like Methuselah, 960-something years, we can say, you know what? I finished my race. I fought the good fight. I've ran the race. Heading home. We all want that, right? So we all know that we are in a battle, a very tailored battle for each of us and a very tailored race. And as I was thinking about this, I'm like, I'm all, I, I get into the whole the battle scenario because I was in the Marine Corps and the Lord has, has, has spoke to me a lot through just different military experience. And so I started thinking, I was like, all right, the finest hour, the battle, I get it. You know, the word's a weapon, prayer's a weapon, worship's a weapon, relationships are a weapon, community, like, I got it. These are going to be my four points and this is how we're going to roll. See you next Sunday. But I started just pressing in a little bit more, and the Lord just started kind of taking me through a journey again, and He was really just kind of painting what the enemy's strategy is with us because we've been put inside a battle. God put us in a battle to actually destroy the enemy, right? To make Him His footstool. The enemy actually also has a plan. This is what 2 Timothy says. It says to be captured to actually do His will, to basically be a POW, 
and to be where he can be the puppet master of our life and call the shots. I started just going back to the original, original time, Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man. And I just saw some things there that I felt like that we just needed to remind ourselves. See, Satan came to Adam and Eve, and he just simply got them, really when it came to Eve, simply got her to question what God said. So he's like, the Lord told you that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? She's like, yeah, we, we, we can't eat from any tree. And it actually says we, we, we can't even touch it. That's what she added to it. Or we will surely die. And he's like, no, no, you, you, you won't die. Actually, God knows that when you eat it, you, you, you will be just like him. And so we know the story, right? She eats. She gives it to Adam. They eat. They went and hid, saw that they were naked. God walks in, the cool of the day. Where are you? We hid because we were naked. Jesus is like, who told you that? Right? Who told you that? What you're believing? What you're processing? When you lose communication in combat, you ultimately probably will lose the war. And I think one of the biggest challenges right now in our day is do we really know what God is actually saying. And not just saying because I know a scripture, but what is he saying about your race and about your battle? What is he saying about you? And what are you believing about you? Pastor Howard has spent a lot of time talking about heaven's royalty lately, just pouring into us, this is what the cross accomplished. This is what the resurrection accomplished. You have been made brand new according to to God in true righteousness and holiness. When he says, behold, I've made all things new, what does that word mean in the Greek? Brand new. It actually means untarnished, unused, unblemished. This is actually how God sees you, and he wants you to reign from this place. But the enemy, in his scheming, has gotten us to believe something that God is not saying. And we've actually been led, right? We've been led to the left, we've been led to the right based on what the enemy has said. And then he actually comes to Jesus and he does the same exact thing. He tempts him in the same way. This time, we actually see Jesus. How did he combat the enemy? He says, it is written. This is actually what it says. It is written. There has been in my opinion, there has been a, an extreme deficiency just knowing what God says about us and being anchored. Even when it says that the enemy comes and prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, in 1 Peter 5 it says, resist him standing firm in the faith or standing firm in what God has said. Jesus said, I don't live by bread alone. When the enemy came to actually tempt him and said, turn these stones into bread, he says, I don't live by bread alone, but I live my life by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Who in here wants to win? Like, who in here wants to actually walk in your finest hour? Then you will not be able to do that if you do not know what the Word of God says about you. Period. One of the things I remember, one of the first times that Howard really ministered to me, 
you know, I kind of feel like it was like a roundhouse kick. I was sharing some things in my journey, and I remember just saying, um, I grew up without a, I grew up without my dad, all right? So for 22 years of my life, I didn't know my dad. God's repaired that. So when I share this story, I'm not trying to revisit the past. I hope you guys understand this. God's repaired it. That's a whole other message. But at this time, I was just sharing with Howard. I'd heard this so much in the church that I had, um, I had a, uh, a wound, right? I, ha- I, had a, I had a father wound. It doesn't mean that there wasn't challenges there. There wasn't pain. There wasn't hurt. There wasn't a deficiency. We, we, we weren't saying that. But I'm just saying, I'm on the phone with him. I said, I'm just dealing with this stuff. And I've got a, I just think it's because of a father's wound. And he said, bro, you ain't wounded. Y'all can hear him saying that. He said, bro, you ain't wounded. And I remember when he said it, he didn't share a scripture. He shared the byproduct of believing what the scripture has actually said. But I remember I was in my kitchen leaning up like this by my sink. And I was like, I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm not wounded. And I've never used that phrase ever again to describe myself. No, I'm actually been made whole because of what Jesus did. Amen? So it's paramount that we actually know what God actually says about us. So we know that the enemy ultimately is, the, I would say the greatest weapon is for him to um, ultimately um, to lie to us, to get us to believe his narrative, to get us to be hooked up to his frequency, and to be pulled away. Even as I was reading Revelation 12, it says that, you know, when... when um, it says Lucifer and the, and the angels actually fought against the angels in heaven. It says that they were basically cast down. And it says, and there was no more place for them in heaven. And I was like, man, you know, that's ultimately the enemy's ploy for your life. Is that he would dislodge you and dislocate you from your place. Your place with the Lord. And he does this through manipulating the airways. And you will always be deceived if you actually do not know the real thing. If you do not know what he says, you will always be deceived. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. Some people may say, well, I, I, I'm good. I think I'm, I think I'm okay. Well, most thieves actually would love to rob from you and for them to never leave um, their sign, their trademark, or evidence behind that you've actually been robbed and that you've actually been lost, that you've, that you've ultimately incurred a loss. And this is ultimately what the enemy has done with a lot of people, definitely believers. So we got to know his word. That wasn't even in, that wasn't even my main point. All right, so I am going to jump into what I really do believe um, the invitation is for us. And what, what I even believe what Ben was doing um, was, was, a, was a part of it. Um, Jesus is looking for somebody whose lives are completely surrendered under his command. Like, we've heard that in the church. You know, I, I surrender all, I give my life to you. Um, no, somebody, what it says in Daniel eleven thirty two, 32, the people who know him, know his voice. Pastor Howard will always talk, that, talk about this, that your, um, your inheritance is to actually know the very voice of God and allow the voice of God to actually command and control your life and direct everything. Philippians 2, I think this is going to be up here. This is just a picture of Jesus. He's the prototype of this. He says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, 
did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Where Satan lured man into going their own way, and that was the great deception, running your own life, living for you, listening to him, Jesus came and says, no, I'm actually going to reduce myself. I don't consider it to be robbery, to be equal with God. And I'm going to go low. And I'm going to become like a bondservant. And I'm going to come in the form of man. And I'm going to lay my life down, not just on Calvary, but from the very day that I was born all the way to the very end. I'm going to show this people the depth of my love, and I'm going to lay my life down. Revelation 12, 11, it says they overcame him. We're familiar with this verse right here. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I love that verse. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. But the other part of that is what's gripped me lately. And it says, and they did not love their lives to the death. Some verses say they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. This would be a people who would ultimately give their entire life to Jesus. Every part. They would hear what he says and they would see what he does and they would just carry out the mission. That would be how they lived their life. In John 12, 23 through 28, it says, Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. It says, Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. I'm going to read this in the uh, Passion Translation. Is everybody good? I was reading it in the Passion Translation, and I like the, uh, the language. Um, let's see, it says, he replied to them, now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. So pulling all this in, this, this is when I was reading this scripture, I was like, this, this kind of gets into, you know, this is, this, is, this is our hour. Now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. So where the enemy got Adam and Eve to actually go their own way, Jesus came in the earth and actually went according to the plan of the Father laid his life down, this is what Jesus is saying. You have a decision to make today. It can be your finest hour or it can be your worst hour. You can listen to the Lord and actually allow your life to be directed and live your life and completely lay it down like every bit of you. Or you can continue to give a little bit to the Lord, give a little bit to the church, and continue to just do your thing, right? And not give your whole heart and your whole life to the Lord. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies, because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat, all because 
one grain died. I'm going to jump down to, uh, well, I'm going to go into verse 25 still. It says, the person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. Isn't that crazy? The person who loves his life and pampers himself or lives for his own life will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I am going. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. Verse 27, it says, Even though I am torn within and my soul is in turmoil, I will not ask the Father to rescue me from this hour of trial, for I have come to fulfill my purpose. Other versions say, for I have come to this very hour. We could say for such a time as this. Sometimes with all the things that are going on in this planet, we're like, I I just wish, let's, let's just hit the rapture button, right? And get out of here. But Jesus was actually saying, no, I've actually come to this hour. I've actually come to the hour to actually lay my life completely down. Yes, we need to hear the Word of God, and that's, I, I feel like I spent a little bit of time right there, but this is really what was burning in my heart for this message. Will you lay your life down? Like, I've been doing ministry now, I think since 2017. I thought I knew what ministry was. I thought it was kind of like coming to church, getting a mic, preaching a good message, going down to the altar, praying for a couple people. No, the greatest among you is the servant. The greatest among you is the person who will choose to actually lay their life down. This world has nothing for us. 1 John 2, it starts talking about that people can be pulled by the lust of their own way. It says, but this world is fleeting and passing away, but we put so much affection and attention on things that don't matter. Like we can spend hours watching TV, Netflix, social media, golf, all the different things, and it's not all those things are sin, but we can give ourselves so much to things And it's like, no, no, you have the words of eternal life. Will you lay your life down? If if our existence and our family's existence and Wesley Chapel and New Tampa and Tampa and the United States and the world are looking for people who will actually exploit great works because they walk with Jesus, will you be the people? And will you lay your life down? Not for your ministry, not for a name, not for a mic. Will you just say, no, God, I will. I will commit my life wholeheartedly to you. Because the only way that you can actually find true life is to lay your life down. So I would ask you, are you really living? Because 1 Timothy 6, 19 says, um, this is what it says. It says, so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. So the question is, are you really living? I heard this song, I think Upper Room does it. And it says, when we see him. When we see Him, we will wish that we gave more away. Pastor Ben talked about in the the giving moment, we always use this phrase, time, talent, and resources. Time is eternal currency. We can't get time back. We can get some money back. Now, God can redeem the time. It's another message. But will you give your time? Will you give your time to people? Will you give your skill sets, the skills, the things that God has actually put in your life, will you give them to people? And ultimately, will you allow the Lord to direct your finances? Not just inside COG. It could be a restaurant. It could be another ministry. But to be completely under the lordship of the Lord. Those who actually want to find their life actually must lay it down. And guys, more than ever before in my life, I'm just saying, God, I commit to you. Um, ministry is not what I thought ministry was. I'm learning. 
Ministry is the one who lays their life down. And guys, honestly, being with you for a short period of time, I know that I'm in company of people who have already done that and are doing it, and I believe that we'll even respond and say, you know what, I will do it more. And I'm being moved by you guys, just being in the company of a lot of you, and I just uh, I appreciate it um, so much. Got about five minutes. I'm just going to give us one last scripture. What I want the Lord to do is I want him, I, I could give you bullet points to say this is how you can lay your life down. Um, I think it's different for all of us. I don't think it's always just a, a, a clean template that I can say, hey, here's point A, point B, point C. Um, 1 Corinthians 9, it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Meaning he's controlled. He's laying his life down. He's given his all because of the race. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. It says, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, least when I have preached to others, I myself should not be disqualified. Last week, Pastor Howard had three points. And I don't think we have to move off that channel. It was prayer, it was fasting, and it was generosity. I'm not saying those are the three points, but I do believe that inside how God would want to minister to us, how we can be temperate in all things, how we can lay our lives down, those three things for sure are ways that the Lord will minister to us how we can lay our lives down inside of prayer, how we can lay our lives down inside of fasting. Because in Isaiah 58, it says, is this not the fast that I've desired? I would say, is this not the lifestyle that he's actually desired for you to live? Do we believe that this earth is fleeting, passing away, temporary? I think we all do. I mean, I haven't seen anybody that's made it out alive. And if that's the case, it says that our life is a vapor. So I just want to make my life count. And so I want to give all my days wholeheartedly under the command of our commanding officer. And I hope you do too. Well, guys, you can go ahead and stand. I just want us to uh, just pray as a, as, a, as, a, um, as a family. You can close your eyes. I know Pastor Ben, uh, he kind of led a, a salvation moment, um, recommitment moment, commit moment, whatever you want to call it. But I, I just want us to do that again. If, if, if you're with me um, and you're saying, hey, Lord, um, I want to commit my whole life to you, every bit to you. Will you just raise your hand? I'm raising all mine. If I had three, I'd raise three. So Jesus, um, excite the gift on the inside of us. Lord, I ask, um, we all agree that we know that we have been placed into a battle. We can all see that there may have been some defeats, some challenges in the past. We're dealing with a lot of things right now. But through your word, you are assembling a troop. You are assembling men and women of God who can display the very essence of heaven and the earth.
Lord, we commit our journey, our lives, our marriages, our families, our kids, our friends, our jobs, everything that we have and everything that we own, we say it's yours. Not 10%, all of it, every bit of it. But Lord, we also know the battle ahead of us is too great for us. We know that there's no natural ability for us to actually win the day. You said apart from you, we can't do anything, but with you, we can do all things. As Paul says, it wasn't me, but it was the grace. It was the energy of heaven itself that actually came and was deposited on the inside of me and became the motor for me to get all the way to the finish line to say, I have fought the fight, I have ran the race. Now there is a crown that is in store for me. Lord, may it be of this people as well. In the name of Jesus, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would baptize this congregation right now in the Holy Spirit, and there would be a grace that's released that we have never tasted before in our life. We thank you for the history. We thank you for the past. We thank you for all the moments with you. But we believe and we declare that we will walk in the newness of life with you and we will be empowered by the Holy Spirit and we will not relent and we will not quit until we have fulfilled the mission that you have actually called us into. Of the increase of your peace in government, there shall be no end. And Lord, we thank you that is a picture of our life, that we go from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. We never retire, ever. May we be like Enoch that just gets caught up with the Lord one day on our last day. Holy Spirit, I just bless what only you can do. The kingdom of God is not a matter of mere talk, but of great power. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your power to be released in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We bless this moment. We thank you for this charge. I serve to the commanding officer of heaven itself. In Jesus' name, amen.